word. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29. If you're encouraged by the word of the Lord coming to you today, would you say amen? Amen. You know I don't take this lightly. God is really speaking to us today. I felt His presence so strong. And I want to encourage each and every one of you, always, always, always go after God like that. I'm telling you, I felt God one way on my knees, but when I came up here, I felt God a whole other way. I felt it go deeper. I felt it go deeper. Do you ever feel that? It's about, you know, like you would describe it, maybe it's about ankle deep, but you pray a little bit long, it's about knee deep. And before you know, you're just drowning in the presence of God. And doesn't it feel wonderful? He encourages you. Amen. And what God will do in 30 seconds, you couldn't do in 30 years. I'm telling you, when I get in the presence of God, God sets me free. God gives me words. God changes my life. I was told to start having babies in the presence of God. I was told to plant this church in the presence of God. Every most important decision you've ever, uh, I've ever made in life or you can make in life, I've made by God in His presence and Him speaking to me. How many can relate to that? Amen? Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29. If you're there, say, I'm there. Andrew, go ahead and keep the Scriptures up there for us today. On the back of your uh, announcements or notes, today's message is called, God is a Consuming Fire. God is a consuming fire. You're going to learn today, our God is a consuming fire. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29 is a very simple passage of Scripture. And it says, for our God is a consuming fire. One more time, for our God is a consuming fire. Back up now to verse 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. What were we doing here today? Worshiping, weren't we? Were we worshiping in reverence and awe? Amen. That's what God commands us. Since you receive a kingdom, it won't go away. It doesn't go away like how governments rise and fall. It won't go away like your social security. They're saying it's going to go away. It's not going to go away. Our kingdom that God gives us lasts forever. Amen. And we are to live for Him right now and worship Him with reverence and fear. Worship God. Hold up your hands. Cry out to Him. Fall on your knees. Make time to pray. Tell God how much you love Him. That is worship. The way I like to sing it, I say it, is sing love songs to Jesus. Everybody here loves love songs. Everybody loves to be in love. Make the number one lover of your life God. Fall in love with Him. Worship Him. You know why? Because our God is a consuming fire. That is the reason why you are to worship Him in reverence and in awe, because our God is a consuming fire. Now let's start off with some definitions. Who is God? The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are God. One God and three divine persons. Some people say one plus one plus one equals three. Wouldn't that make three gods? No, there's not three gods. There's one God and three persons. Somebody might say, well, Joe, I have a father, I have a mother, and I'm a son. Us three are not one person. No, you're not. But you're all human beings. Jesus is a God being. The Holy Spirit is a God being. The Father is a God being. And there's only one God being. So those three persons are the one God being. They aren't three parts of one God. They are each three equally God on their own. And they are God. Now, you might say, well, that doesn't make sense even after you've explained it. Well, the Bible says it's a mystery, number one. 
And number two, God is not like you and I. Let me give you another mystery that's hard for you and I to understand. God lives in the past, present, and future all at the same time. Think about that. There's no time with God. You and I can't go back to the past. You and I can't go to the future. We can only live in the present. But God, when He created mankind, He knew the past, the the present, and the future all at one time. And His Spirit encompasses all. The Bible says He's ever-present. That means whatever time is, what time was, He's there. He covers it all. He holds time in His hand like this, and He surrounds past, present, and future. Now, is that a mind-blower? That's what God is. The Bible says He's three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So, okay, we know what God we're talking about. Is a consuming fire. What does it mean to be consumed? It means to be devoured. It means to be literally eaten up. If I put food in front of you right now at about 115, what are you going to do to it? You're going to consume some food right now, right? Well, God is a consuming fire. Not to be, uh, uh, not to be confused with an unconsuming fire. Maybe there's a little fire right here on the, uh, you know, on the uh, stage. It maybe won't burn down the whole thing. If God was here like a fire, the whole thing blows up like an atomic bomb, okay? That's what he's saying. He's a God of consuming fire. Now, you see in your Bible, there's quotations. It says, for our God, quote, unquote, is a consuming fire. Do you want to know where that comes from? That comes from the Old Testament. Now turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 4. You have to understand that the first century church did not have a Bible because they were writing the Bible. Uh, didn't have a New Testament because they were writing it. What was the New Testament church's Bible? The Old Testament. Do you know that the Old Testament is quoted over 300 times in the New Testament? It's quoted over and over and over again. I want you to see why the writer of Hebrews is quoting that book and why he says our God is a consuming fire. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 4 and see the story of Bel. Peor. Everybody say Bell. Peor. It's P-E-O-R. Everybody say Bell. Peor. Peor was the name of a community that a people called the Moabites lived in. During the time of Moses and the people of Israel, as they were traveling to the promised land, they ran into these people called the Moabites. Everybody say the Moabites. Now these Moabites worshipped an idol called Baal. Everybody say Baal. And now Baal was a pagan god. He would be like Zeus. He was a pagan god. They had statues to Baal. And the people of Israel saw the Moabites worshiping this idol. And guess what they began to do? They began to worship the same idols. And you know what made them stumble? Because they began to intermarry with the Moabites. The men began to see a hot Moabite woman walking by. Wow, bonita senorita, come on over here. Woo, let's get with that. I want some of that. And then, and then now they're together with the Moabite women. And the Moabite women like, look, don't worship Jehovah. Don't worship the God that answers by fire, shows up in a pillar of cloud, a pillar of fire, a cloud by day, and then, you know, drowned the whole Israelite, ar- the Egyptian army in the Red Sea, showed up on uh, the mountain with Ten Commandments to Moses. Don't worship that God. Worship an idol. And because the men were so in love with these women, they began to be led into temptation. Everybody say it's the women's fault. <laughs> Lord, forgive me. But I'm just preaching what the Bible says. Because you remember Eve tempted Adam, right? I got a duck behind here. Help me, Jesus. 
Look at Deuteronomy chapter 4. Let's read the story. It won't take us very long. Hear now, O Israel, the decrees and the laws I'm about to teach you. Follow them so that you may live and may go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your father, has given you. So why should we obey the commands of God? Because we'll live. We'll be blessed. We'll take possession of the things he's given us. This is Moses telling the people, you should listen to God. You'll be happy and blessed if you do. Verse 2, do not add to what I command you and do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord your God that I give you. So it's really simple. Whatever he told us, let's do it. Number, uh, verse 3, excuse me. You saw with your own eyes what the Lord did at Baal Peor. You, the Lord your God destroyed from among you everyone who followed the Baal Peor. But all of you who held fast to the Lord your God are still alive today. Now, if you want to see the story of Bel Pa'ar, you have to go to Numbers 25. So here's how it works. We start off in Hebrews. God uh, speaking to the man of God there says, Our God is a consuming fire. Where does that come from? That's going to be read right here in Deuteronomy 4. But Deuteronomy 4 is quoting another time that's found in Numbers 25. So hold your place right there and now go to Numbers 25. And let's find out what happened at Bel Pa'ar where the Lord is telling them you ought to learn your lesson. Look at Numbers 24. And we won't have time to read it all. Go to verse, uh, chapter 25. We'll have to skip through 24. If you've ever heard of Balaam and his donkey, where Balaam tried to curse the people of Israel, and his donkey wouldn't let him do it. And finally, the donkey was stopping him, stopping him, and he kept whipping his donkey, trying to take him to go curse the people of Israel. Finally, God let the donkey speak. And in the King James, the word for donkey is jackass. Hello? So God can even use a jackass to talk to you. Amen? But that's not me, your pastor. I'm not one of those. Amen. I'm not a donkey. Come on, somebody. But that's what the Bible says. He can even use a jackass. Praise the Lord. Moving on now to 25. That's not a swear. It's actually what the Bible calls it. Uh, chapter 25 says, While Israel was saying in Shittim, verse 1, the men began to indulge in sexual immorality with what? Moabite women. Wasn't I telling you about that? who invited them to sacrifice to their gods. If you want some, then you got to do this for me. And you know the men were doing it, right? Oh, come on, men. Don't, don't get shy. I mean, you know if a woman asks you to do something, you're going to do it, right? Ought not to lead us into pagan idolatry, but women do have a way with us. The people ate and bowed down before these gods. So Israel joined in worshiping the Baal of Peor. That was the name of the city that they were at in Shittim. And the Lord's anger burned against them. The Lord said to Moses, take all the leaders of the people, kill them, and expose them in broad daylight before the Lord, so that the Lord's fierce anger may be taken away from Israel. Little side note, that's why we believe in the death penalty. We need to get rid of the people in our society that break laws. The Bible says that if you murder, your life needs to be taken. We believe in the death penalty. I'm sorry if that offends some of you. The Bible says that if you molest children and you hurt women and you hurt the innocent, the Bible says that is the cause of a death penalty. And there are laws that we need to hold up. One of the reasons why our society is falling down the way it is, you can talk to Ricky, a Chicago police officer, the people have no fear of the law anymore. They have no fear. People will do whatever they want. I know and you know that people can get arrested for child molesting and be out in two years. When that person will deal with that child molesting the rest of their life, say they come to God. Amen? So in this Bible day, what they said is, y'all sinning? You're going after the wrong women? You're leading us after a false God that will damn people's soul to hell? Let's get you out and take care of you now. Let's cut you off and cut you down. Amen? 
Somebody say, our God's a consuming fire. It's all going to come together. Amen. It said, take all the leaders of these people, kill them, expose them in broad daylight before the Lord, so that the Lord's fierce anger may be turned away from Israel. So Moses said to Israel, judges, each one of you must be put to death. Each one of you must put to death those of your men who have joined the worship of Belpar. Then the Israelite men brought to the, his, then an Israelite man brought to his family a Mennonite woman right before the eyes of Moses and the whole assembly of Israel while they were weeping at the entrance of the tent of meeting. When Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, saw, uh, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw this, he left the assembly, took a spear in his hand, followed the Israelite into the tent. He drove the spear through both of them. Amen. This is like 300 right here, okay? The spear goes through both of them, and it says, and into the woman's body. Then the plague against the Israelites was stopped, but those who died in the plague numbered 24,000. Come on, somebody say, our God is a judging God. That's what you're going to learn consuming fire means in just a few moments. Remember, we heard our God's a consuming fire in the New Testament. Where does that come from? Deuteronomy. We're reading it. While Moses is teaching us in Deuteronomy, he says, remember back here, he tells them the story. This is what happened. When people turned away from God, God's fierce anger killed 24,000 people. And when one uh, Israelite came before the people, he's like, look, man, I got a Moabite wife. What y'all going to do to me? The Bible says Phineas, a priest, followed him home and said, this is what I'm going to do to you. Make you a shish kebab. I'm going to put it through you and everybody that it touches. Hello. And the Bible says God was happy about judgment. Now, before we start blowing up abortion clinics, let's find out what we'll do in the New Testament about judgment. Amen. But they used to fight for righteous causes, and we still do believe in that. Now go back to Deuteronomy chapter 4. Deuteronomy chapter 4. Moses is talking, verse 3. You saw with your own eyes what the Lord did at Belpar. The Lord your God destroyed from among you everyone who followed the bell of the Baal of Par. But all of you who are but all of you who held fast to the Lord your God are still alive today. See, I have taught you decrees and laws, as the Lord's my God has commanded me, so that you may follow in them in the land you are entering to take possession of. Observe them carefully, for they will show you wisdom and understanding to the nations. And 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 who will hear about all these decrees and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. See, we, if we follow God, the people around us will say how smart we are. Amen? I said they'll say how smart we are. Amen? Verse 7, what other nation is so great as to have their gods near the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? Think about that. What other gods are around the people as our God is? You go to a mosque, you'll never see Islam doing what we do here. You go around the Hindus and, in, and the people of India. You go around the Buddhists. Our God is near to us. What other gods can say they're near to their people like our God? Amen? Because our God is alive. Verse 8. And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as the body of laws I'm setting before you today? Now keep going. Verse 9. Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. What are you supposed to remember, uh, guys, in the back row? You're supposed to remember the judgment of God. Never let it slip from your mind. There's been people in our church, uh, a family that was disfellowshipped, and another guy was wanting to be friends with them again and start hanging out. We had to say, no, 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 no. Don't forget what you've seen. That was the judgment of God. They caused a problem. They created havoc. They weren't willing to repent. They were deceptive, and God is not done dealing with them. Don't forget. He's telling the same people. He said, hey, you remember when Billy Bob got struck down by the plague and Gary got made a shish kebab with him and his Moabite wife? Don't do that. 
Come on, somebody say, keep it real. I could just see somebody hearing Moses preach that. It's tight, but it's right. Amen? Because it's the real deal right there. Hallelujah. Keep on going. Look at verse 10. Remember the day. Oh, oh go back up. Go back up to uh, the second part of verse 9. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. That's what we're supposed to do. Verse 10. Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Herob when he said to when. He said to me, assemble the people before me to hear the words so that they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land and may teach them to their children. You came near and stood at the front of the mountain while it blazed with fire. What did it blaze with? To the very heavens. Excuse me, with black clouds and deep darkness. Then the Lord spoke to you out of the fire. You heard the sounds of the word. You heard the sound of words, but saw no form. There was only a voice. He declared to you his covenant, the Ten Commandments. What commandments? The Ten Commandments, which he commanded you to follow and then wrote them on stone. And the Lord directed me at this time to teach you the decrees and laws you are to follow in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. Now watch right here. Verse 15. Help us, Jesus. You saw no form of any kind the day the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the fire. Therefore, watch yourselves carefully so that you do not become corrupt. Make for yourselves an idol, an image of any shape, whether formed like a man or a woman or like an animal on earth or a bird of the air or like any creature that moves along the ground or any fish. And when you look up to the sky and see the sun, the moon, the stars, and all the heavenly array, do not be enticed into bowing down to them and worshiping the things that the Lord, uh, these things, the Lord your God has a, has a portion to all the nations under heaven. But as for you, the Lord took you and brought you out of the iron smelting furnace, out of Egypt to be a people of his inheritance as you now are. Somebody say amen. amen. Worship God. Now look at verse 23, skipping ahead. Be careful not to forget the covenant of the Lord your God that he made with you. Do not forget do not make for yourselves an idol in the form of anything the Lord your God has forbidden. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, comma, a jealous God. Now do you get the point? We've read it all in its context. How many just learned something today in the Bible? Bam, in Hebrews, he says, worship God with fear and reverence. Live for Him. Obey Him. You're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Why do we know our God's a consuming fire? Because we see in Deuteronomy and in Numbers that our God judged those who sinned. He brought, brought righteous judgment against them. And He is saying to us today in the New Testament, He is still that God of consuming fire. And that consuming fire means He's jealous. It says right there, He is a jealous God. Our God God does not want you to share your affection or love with any other God, any other thing under heaven. When we sing that song, you will not relent till you have all of me. That is true. God wants all of you. Sometimes I know people look at their heart like it's a four-bedroom house. Let me give you an example. Your heart, like a four-bedroom house. One bedroom, you have your family. You love your family. It's in your heart. Another bedroom, you know, is your job. You love your job. Some of you, amen? How many love their job? Can you say Amen. Praise God. Those who don't, I hope you find what you love because I love my job. And then over on the side, maybe you have your hobbies and you love your hobbies. And then this little part over here, you have your problems. And you don't really love your problems, but they're kind of in your heart because you've got to deal with them. And that's what makes your heart sad sometimes, okay? So you've got a four-bedroom house, family, job, friends, and then these problems. Now when we come to God, what room do we like to let God into? We say, God, come on into this room, the four-bedroom house. Don't go in my bedroom. It's not really nice. Don't go in this room. Just come into my problems. No, 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 no. Our God is a jealous God. He wants your family. He wants your friends. He wants your future. 
There are some, young, uh, some of our young men right now that are getting out of their colleges, pursuing secular careers, and they're going to Bible college to become ministers. That doesn't mean every one of you have to do that, but it means you need to lay down your life like that. What does God want you to be, Juan? David, what does God want you to be? You lay down your whole life for God. How does God want you to raise your family? How does God want you to treat your neighbor? You say, God, this whole heart is yours. Because if you don't, your God is a jealous God. He looks at you and says, I will consume you. He says he will judge those parts of you that you don't give to him. Now, the honest truth about that is that the four-bedroom house is only an illustration for sinners. Because the Bible says it's all or nothing, really. If you want him to be Lord in your life, he's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. And true conversion and salvation does not take place until you give God everything. He said to love him with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. There's no more alls left there, my friends. That covers everything. All means all. So what does it mean to be truly saved? Give God everything. If you're holding back 1% of your life, your heart, from God, if not being obedient, not submitting it to God, he's a jealous God, you're not of his, and he will consume you one day. Can you say amen? Now, I want you to see about his judgments. Turn to 2 Thessalonians 1.7. How many like good preaching? Can you say preach it? Look at 2 Thessalonians 1.7. Joselito, if you have to go to work, let him stay. We'll get him a ride home. Amen. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7. Thank you for your help, though, brother. We appreciate that. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7. If you're there, say, I'm there. Our God is what? A consuming fire. Let's try that again. Our God is what? Now say it like you're up today and you don't want me to preach another hour just to get you up. Come on. Our God is what? You ain't there yet. Come on. Our God is what? Look at your neighbor and shout it till they wake up and just get really excited. Our God is what? Amen. Thank you. Second Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 7. Look at what it says. Hallelujah. It says, and give really, oh, let's go to verse 5. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right. Is God's judgment right or wrong, my friends? When God judges sinners, is he right or wrong? When God judges those who haven't heard the gospel, is he right or wrong? When God judges you and your grandma and your wedo and wedai, is he right or wrong? When God judges your family, your children, is he right or wrong? So when we get to heaven and there's people going to hell, is it going to be right or wrong? Remember, our God is right. He always does what's right. Who are we to try to get him on our level? Well, God, this doesn't make sense. God, I don't understand. You know, why is there a hell? You know, if you love people, why? Let me tell you, it's right. Amen? It's tight, but it's right. You may not always understand it. You may not always agree with it. You don't have to. I don't agree with gravity, but I know if I step off this thing, I fall down. Hello? It's right, okay? God's judgment is right. You don't have to understand it, agree with it. You will all bow your knee at his throne. So will I. And he will judge you and me, and there's not going to be any Supreme Court to redo his judgment. It's final. Amen? Oh, come on, somebody. I said amen. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right. And as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to those who you are troubled. So don't try to fight your own fights. Remember, we just heard about in the Old Testament, Phineas the priest speared somebody. Listen, we ain't got to do that in the New Testament. God said, look, I'm going to take care of judgment now. We're not doing it from the government's perspective because the governments are corrupt. Even though we serve them, we acknowledge them. But the Bible says he's going to do it. 
Let it fall in his hands. We pray for the abortion uh, clinic. We pray for the people going there. We pray for the doctors. We pray, 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 pray. But when this day is over, who's going to take it out on them? Jesus, God, will pay them back trouble for the trouble they've caused and give us relief. And to us as well. This will happen, listen, when the Lord Jesus Christ, who is God? He is what? The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So is Jesus God? Okay, let's, and our God is what? Y'all helping me preach now. Thank you. And it says this will happen when the Lord Jesus Christ, who is Lord, is our Jehovah God, is revealed from heaven in what? Blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. They will be punished with everlasting destruction, shut out of the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people. Somebody say holy people. And to be marveled at among those who have believed. This includes you, Arson, because you believed our testimony. Come on. Our God is a consuming fire. One day He will take vengeance upon this earth. He will consume His enemies. My friends, you want to get right with that God today. You want to live holy for that God today. You want to worship that God today in reverence and in awe. You want to give Him everything, for He is a jealous God. He won't let you share your life with the life of this world. It's all or nothing. And if it's nothing, when He comes, He will burn you like a weed, the Bible says, like chaff. He will set you on fire and it will burn for eternity. Our God is not only a God of love, He's also a God of judgment. And He is a God that not only punishes, but takes part in the punishment. Meaning, not only does God say, go over here and get a whooping, God Himself gives you the whooping. Are you listening to me? God will punish those who disobey Him. He will give them a blazing fire, everlasting destruction, Shut out from the presence of God. Our God's a consuming fire. The first part you're going to learn today is that His fire brings judgment. The next thing that you're going to learn is that it brings purification power. So the first thing that you're learning right now is that your God will judge this earth. That is good doctrine. That is good Bible teaching. That will get you something, give you something to shout about. That will get you something to pray about, to tell your friends about what you learned today in church. You got to tell people, our God is a jealous God. He wants all of you. He wants all of you. You need to tell them that He will set them on fire. He will consume them with blazing fire if they don't repent. Are you listening? Turn with me now to Psalms 50, verse 3. Talking about our God as a consuming fire. That is who He is. He is a God of love and justice, but He's also a God of wrath. He's a God who punishes. He's a God who marks down all the iniquity of men, and He will repay them back for every one. He watches the persecution of the righteous, and He gives relief to us, those, those who are being persecuted, and those around the world. But He says to those who are doing the persecuting, He says, if you don't repent and change, He says, He will set them on fire. He will burn them with everlasting fire and destruction. Psalms 50, verse 3, Our God comes and will not be silent. A fire devours before Him, and all around Him a tempest rages. He summons the heavens above and the earth, that He may judge His people. What will He do with His people? Judge. He will judge His people. Gather to me my consecrated ones who made a covenant with me by sacrifice, and the heavens proclaim His righteousness, for God Himself is judge. God is the judge, the jury, and the executioner. 
God tells you what sin is. God then will judge on what your sins are, and then He will punish you for your sins. Are you listening? He is the judge. He determines sin. He calls a spade a spade. He tells you what's black and what's white. He tells you which way is good and which way is evil. He is the lawgiver, the judge. He then will convict you and I when we do not follow those laws. He is the judge. He imputes the law to us, and then He Himself punishes us. Are you listening? The judge, juror, and executioner. Your God is a consuming fire, people. Your God is not a game. He's not to be mocked or be blasphemed. He's not to be these four-letter foul words that come out of entertainers' mouths. The Bible says blasphemy is against His commands. The Bible says He will consume them. He will consume you if you do not repent. Can you grab that for me, please? If you do not repent before God and live for Him, He will consume you. Let me show you a few more. You're saying, Pastor, you're scaring the hell out of me. Praise God. I don't want you to go to hell. I don't want you to be consumed. Amen? I want you to live for God. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 3.13. I wish I had half a church today. Can this, can, can this side right here, can you all amen me when I preach? I need more than just my wife. Can I get some amens from one? Amen. Can I get an amen from somebody? What about this side? You all want to help me preach today? Amen. I need some help preaching at 1.40 in the afternoon. I may make it look easy, but it's actually a little hard for me too, okay? Praise God. I need some help. 1 Corinthians 3.13. Oh, Jesus, spare us from that fire. Look at 1 Corinthians 3.13. If you're there, say, I'm there. Oh, go up to verse 12. It says, If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stone, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown what it is. Because the day, everybody say the day. We talked about that during our Easter play last year. The day is the Vima judgment seat of Christ. It's now when he judges Christians. What we just talked about is when God judges non-Christians. Go right to hell. There it is. Game over. But God will judge Christians. It's not whether or not we go to heaven or hell. We're saved by grace. God says we get to go to heaven. But now God says He's going to judge our lives. And He compares it right here to a foundation. Jesus Christ is the foundation. And what we build is like a man building wooden walls and, you know, uh, dry walls and a, a roof made of tar and all of these different things, okay? But the Bible says on judgment day, God's going to set it on fire. And if what you did as a Christian wasn't pure, wasn't holy, then everything you did will be burned up. So yes, there will be Christians going to heaven without any reward. There will be Christians going to heaven just barely missing hell. But there will be other Christians going to heaven with some bling bling. Amen? Who, want to bring, who wants to bling bling for Jesus? Come on, get your shine on. Okay, here we go. It says right here, if any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stone, wood, hair, straw, his work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire. It will be revealed with what? It will be revealed with fire. What is our God? A consuming fire. And the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know you yourself are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is sacred and you are that temple. Do not deceive yourselves. If one of you thinks he is wise by the standards of this age, he should become a fool so that he may become 
wise, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. That is, it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then, no more boasting about men. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos, of, wor- of this world, life or death or present or future. All are yours, and you are Christ, and Christ is God. Can you say amen? The Bible says this world justifies themselves. They think they're wise in their own eyes. I can sin a little bit. Hey, you're not perfect. I'm not perfect. I can sin. I can look at a little pornography every now and then. I can drink a little bit every now and then. Hey, there's no problems, right? That's what the world says. The Bible says that man who thinks he's wise in his own eyes ought to become a fool because the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. God tells you that one lie makes you a liar. One thing that you take that's not yours makes you a thief. One blasphemous word makes you a blasphemy. Are you listening? One unforgiveness in your heart makes you bitter and takes away the joy of your soul. The Bible says all sin leads to death and slavery. And the Bible then goes on to say that the wages of sin is death. As a Christian, we should hate sin and love good. Cling to what is good. Hate what is evil. And live your life pure and holy before God. As a Christian, why? Because you're not getting a free ticket past judgment, my friends. You didn't win Willy Wonka's last golden ticket. Are you listening? You're going to have to be judged. And when you're judged, it will come with fire. Because our God is a consuming fire. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Let me give you one more. Turn with me to Luke. Uh, Let's go to 2 Peter. We'll go to that one later. But go to Luke chapter 3. Verse 7, our God is a consuming fire. He's worthy of your praise. I don't, I don't blame why a lot of men don't come to church today. They say most churches are, are, are uh, 60, 70% women and not as much men. And we know that not to be true in our church. It's about 50-50. But the reason why most men don't go to church, they were uh, interviewed by a, a Christian magazine. Why don't you go to church? They say that they don't appreciate the God that's brought before them. Most churches make our God look like he's a sissy. You go to church, you see some white, blonde hair, blue-eyed, Swedish, skinny white boy that looks effeminate hanging from a cross. Hello? And you have a man come in, and a man is supposed to say, that's my God. First of all, the Bible said don't make an image of him. That will just get you something to think about right there. I know sometimes we make images of Jesus, but the Bible for sure said don't make an image of the Father. And I think these images of Jesus are just a disgrace to Jesus. We see these little images of Dito Jesus. Like he's a little cute little baby. He's like spitting up on himself. I'm like, mm, let me get that for you. Help burp Jesus. You either, you know, how do most people see Jesus? Come on. They either see Jesus as little Dito Jesus on Christmas or that little skinny white effeminate boy. <sighs> There he is, just a little drip of blood coming down. A, your God the Son took on flesh. His flesh was not him. His spirit was him. God in man was Jesus. So even when you saw a man that wasn't who Jesus all was, he just became flesh to dwell among us. He put on an earth suit to dwell where we live. Are you listening? Number two, when he died and rose again from the dead, he is no longer a man limited by man's uh, uh, inabilities. He is now the God man. He shines with glory and fire is, is in his eyes. He's brighter than the sun. 
He's powerful. He's the Word of God. With His words, the nations tremble. He created. The Bible says Jesus was the Father's instrument for the creation of the world. Go by a hurricane one day and say, that thing's nothing. Stand under an earthquake and say, that's nothing. Our God created the earthquakes, the world, and all that's in them. Look at the sun and say, that's nothing. You know, be in the sun. You know, go stand in the sun if you can. Our God shines brighter than the sun. His glory is more powerful than the sun. Your Father and Son and Holy Spirit is a consuming fire. He's not some limp, wristed, effeminate, a stick figure, an idol. Are you listening? I want to show you who he is. Turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 3. I know why men don't come to church because they make God look like a sissy, but God is God here. Amen? God, God can bring the smack down in this church. Show men who a real man is. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 7. It says by the same word, the, the, by the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for what? What is going to happen to this earth? Uh, this earth? What are they reserved for? Fire being kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of what? Ungodly men. I want you to turn with me to Luke now, chapter twelve. This world will be set on fire. The Bible says Noah's world was destroyed with the flood. The world that you and I see today will be destroyed with fire. You may think because it hasn't happened yet that it's never going to happen, that God made a total lie or that this is not true, that judgment, Armageddon is a myth. It's not a myth. I can show you right now in Matthew 24, 10 prophecies that point to one generation. We right now are seeing those 10 prophecies and no generation has ever seen them. Never. And I don't stand alone. One billion Christians are standing with me. Are you a Christian standing with us? We know that Jesus is coming back. We know that his word is spreading. If you're with me in Luke chapter 12, can you say I'm there? Look at Luke chapter 12, verse 49, another definition of who your Jesus is. He's not that idol we see in churches. Jesus said, I have come to bring fire on earth. And how I wish it was already kindled. Why did he want to bring fire? Because he's a consuming fire. That's what he wanted to do. He says, but I have a baptism to undergo and how distressed I am until it's complete. What is that? That's his crucifixion. Verse 51, do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five in one family against each other. There will be three against two and two against three. They will be divided against father and son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother. And look, I mean, this has to get so specific. Mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Amen. Some, some are already experiencing some of those mother-in-law divisions, father-in-laws. Amen? I just told on myself, pray for me. <laughs> Turn with me now to the end of the book, Revelations. What does your Jesus look like? What does he look like coming down to judge this earth? Revelations. Chapter, I believe it's chapter 14. The word of God, the sword in his mouth. Revelations, is it 16? Give me where the angel of the Lord comes down and it's written on his vestibule or his robe, the word of God. I don't know why I don't have the one from Revelations here. Bible scholars help your pastor. Amen. 19. Back to preaching. Amen. Let's start at verse 11. There it is. 
Look at what our God is right now. Jesus Christ, the revelation of God and man coming to judge the world. Our God is a consuming fire. Look at what he is. Verse 11, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. What does he do? Does he, does he make love and make babies, or does he make war? Amen. Is he a lover or a fighter? <laughs> there he is. Bow, bow. There he is. Let's make war. Let's do it. I can just see him looking at the angels. Let's do it. All right. Uh, verse 12. His eyes are like what? Blazing fire. On his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dripped, he's dressed in a robe dipped in blood. And his name is in, and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses, dressed on fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a what? A sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them like a little yellow belly sissy. Is that what it says? He will rule them with what? An iron scepter. That means get in line or get cut down. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and his thigh, his name is written, King of kings and Lord of lords. That's Jesus. Woo! Come on, somebody. Eyes like fire. uh, Words like piercing like a sword. Treading on the, the, the people of God, making war with the armies of heaven. Our God as a consuming fire. How many want to repent and get right and live right with that God? Amen. Four of you, how about the rest of you? You want to get burned like the chaff? Do you want to get cut down and be stomped like a grape? And your blood get on his robe? Or do you want to bow down to him now? Call him King of kings and Lord of lords. If that's you, let's turn now to Luke 3.16. What will God's fire now do for you? What God's fire now will do for you is it will purify you. Just like we know fire can be used to destroy, but it can also be used to purify, right? If I take this precious metal and I put it in a fire, it purifies it and makes it pure. I put my hand in that fire, it burns me, okay? The fire will either consume you in a negative way of judgment or it will consume you in a good way of holiness. And the way I like to call it is purifying power. God's fire will consume you and purify you and give you power. When the Holy Spirit is in you, He purifies you. He burns away things you can never take out of your life. You might have attitudes in your life right now. You say, I love God, but I have this attitude. You let God come in your heart like a consuming fire. Fuego! You know what I'm saying? It burns that attitude. What changed my life from being a drug addict to a preacher? The fuego de Dios. Are you listening? And it's the fire of God that will consume up all the impurities of your life. If you're in Luke 3.16, can you say, I'm there? Look at Luke chapter 3, verse 16. As we learn about what Jesus said, His Holy Spirit was like. John the Baptist, rather, talking about Jesus. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I am coming, the thongs of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with... Now imagine this right here. Everybody just think about this in the literal sense for a minute. Here's John. You know, he's in the lake. He has water. He's pouring water on their heads. And he says, like I do this with water, someone's coming after me with fire. Could you just imagine what that would seem like to you? Like somebody's going to come with a blowtorch. Do you love Jesus? Yeah. (laughs) 
That's what he was saying. I baptize you with water, but someone's going to baptize you with fire. Now, what qualifies that fire from being that little fire as it was water with him is it's the Holy Spirit and fire. Just like the old timers used to say, it's that Holy Ghost and fire that's keeping me alive, keeping me alive, keeping me alive. It's that Holy Ghost and fire that's keeping me alive, keeping me alive, keeping me alive. Amen. It's the Holy Ghost and fire on the inside of you that will change you. God sent His Son Jesus to die for us so that we might be born again and this life that we would live we would live with the fire of God. We wouldn't live it like some half-hearted religious follower. No, we live it with passion for Jesus Christ, with signs and wonders following, and with our life being changed and consumed. Has your life been consumed yet? Has your life been set on fire by Jesus Christ? Come on, I want to talk to you for a minute. Has your life been set on fire? Are you burning and blazing for Jesus Christ today? Is your heart on fire? Let me give you a couple definitions of backslidden. Backslidden means at any time in your life you are more on fire than you are now. Your fire's going out. You need to get right with God today. You need to say, Jesus set me on fire. Here's another definition of backslidden. The things that used to bother you don't bother you anymore. You used to say, hey, I won't cuss, but some of you letting out some cuss words. You said, I won't watch rated R movies. I won't lower my standard. And I did that yesterday. I lowered my standard. And the moment I was in that movie, it just grieved my heart. I said, I'll never see one of those again. You know why? Because I don't want to backslide. Let me give you two ways that you can put out a fire. Here's two ways. Number one, you can put out a fire by dumping water on it, by putting a cloth on it, by, by, by simply smothering it, giving it no room to breathe. That's like putting sin in your life. The fire will go out. The Holy Ghost and fire will go out in your life. Sin will dampen the, the work of God in you. How many understand what I'm saying? Can you say amen? You know the second way that fire will go out? Just stop putting wood on it. Stop putting things that are combustible. Stop putting things that will burn. You can just get so comfortable where you are and say, well, you know, I don't need to read my Bible anymore. I've already read it. You can say to yourself, well, you know what? I don't really need to come to church. I'm already okay. I don't need to come to the altar and cry out for more. I can just kind of sit back and just chill and watch everybody else worship. You know what happens? Your fire goes out. And one day you will know it not, but the fire of the Lord will depart from you like it did from Samson. But our God is a flame of fire. He is a consuming fire. You learned in the Old Testament that the Father was a consuming fire to the people at, at the Bel Par. You learned that Jesus Christ is a consuming fire on judgment. Now you're learning today that inside the believer, who's that fire? The Holy Spirit. Our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is a consuming fire. Let Him consume you today. Would you stand up with me now? Either He will judge you and cut you down and burn you, or He will purify you. What will you let God do today? The last scripture that I just want to read is found in the book of Mark, chapter 9, verse 49. Just as you're standing, thank you for your patience today. Thank you for worshiping with us. This definitely has been the longest service of our history right here. But praise God we made it. God is good. Thank you for your willingness to seek God with me. Looking at Mark chapter 9, verse 49. It says, everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Have salt in yourself and be at peace with each other. Man, would you come, please? The Bible says, everyone 
will be salted with fire. Look at how God just uses this terminology like salting, but you'll be salted with fire. What does salt do on food? It purifies it, right? He says everyone is salted with fire. That means everyone in the end is going to go through God's fire. Everybody. You are going to be salted with it. On judgment day being cut down and consumed, or today being purified, and after your Christian judgment, the Bema seat, being glorified forever to be like Christ. But there's no way out of the fire. Are you all with me? Because our God is what? A consuming fire. He's a jealous God. He's not going to let one of his little creations just wander off and not have to deal with him. You could move up to the Himalayan mountains, run away from society, think that God will never know you, live to your old age, die. The moment you die, you will be in the presence of a consuming fire God. And obviously, if you haven't lived for them, you will be consumed, cast out of his presence with everlasting fire. He himself will punish you, and you will be destroyed for eternity. But now, what is the choice for the Christian? Watch what it says. Salt is good. Now, what text is it using? And it's not using the salt like we eat. It's talking about that salting by fire. So it's talking about being salted by fire is good. But if it loses its saltiness, if it loses its fire, how can it be made salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. What God is teaching you right here using this illustration of salt, you know, being shooken over you, God is saying, have it in you right now. And if you lose it, you can't get it back unless you come back to the consuming fire. If you've lost some of your fire today, the only way you can get it back is to be salted again. Is to say, Jesus, pour it on me. Pour it on me. Salt me up good. Amen. Put me like a filet mignon on the barbecue on high. Amen. Salt me with some fire, Jesus, or some Goya. Make me an offering to you. Make me a burnt offering to you. Amen. Praise God. Let's pray. Father God, our all-consuming fire, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank You, O Lord, that Your desire is not to burn us in Your judgment. We thank You, Lord, that You desire us to be saved. And You want to use that fire not to destroy us, but to purify us. Today, we welcome You, fire, in the form of the Father. We welcome You, fire, in our heart, in the form of the Son. We welcome You, fire of God, in the form of the Holy Spirit. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, consume us today. Take over our lives. Move in us. Change us. Have mercy on us. Oh God, as a preacher, I don't take it lightly, these Scriptures that talk about Your fierce, fiery judgment. Lord, it breaks my heart that many people I know are not ready to meet You. You will consume them. You will consume this earth. You will burn it up. You will cut them down with Your sword. Oh God, we pray for mercy, mercy, mercy on the land. We pray for more time to preach, more time for real evangelism, more time to reach out to them. 
And Lord, I pray for those in this room even now, that God who aren't right with you, I pray that they come and they get consumed by you now. They get purified by you now before, oh God, they get consumed in your judgment. Right now, if you're in this place, we invite you to come to this altar if you need the purification of God, our consuming fire.